want you to know that Hollywood or whoever wrote that did not come up with that. Jesus did in chapter 12. He speaks of pride and prejudice. He speaks of pride in our living and in our giving. And that's what we want to look at today. He said in chapter 12, and, and I want to read into your memory the, the latter part of chapter 37. As he transfers this, this point. Now, have you noticed the last couple of sermons uh, that, you know, Jesus has left Galilee. The feeding of 5,000 and walking on water and, and healing blind people and a lot of that stuff. That part of his earthly ministry has pretty much come to a close. He will not go back to Galilee. All that time, he's not going back to Capernaum. He's not going back to Tiberias. He's not going back to the Jordan River. He has now ascended into the city of God. He has walked in or actually rode in, as we saw, on a donkey in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And so we now find himself only a few days away from being arrested, falsely accused, judged, convicted, and put to death. And so, as he speaks to this group, and, and it's, it's the Herodians, it's the scribes, it's the Judaizers, it's the Pharisees, it's the religious elite that have come because they feel threatened by Jesus. I want to tell you something. Have you ever seen somebody that, that really seems on fire for God, but their zeal kind of threatens yours? Kind of threatens you that they're so excited about the Lord? Does your kids ever come home from camp or something and you, you say, oh, it'll wear off, hoping it will because their life convicts yours? Well, Jesus, in his power and authority, was convicting the religious crowd just by his simple demeanor, his his attitude, his character, the very, the very center and, and fullness of his being. And so in verse 37, David, he said, therefore calls him Lord, and whence is he then his son? But look what he says as he leads into this next context. And the common people heard him gladly. And the common people heard him gladly. Now, the word common in the original language literally means a large group, but its inference is those who are not the elite. There's many more common people than there are millionaires and billionaires. Would you agree with that? There's many more common people than powerful political power brokers. Would you agree with that? Uh, so these are the people who were not power brokers. They were not the religious elite. They were not the wealthiest of people. They were just your average guys and gals. And it says they heard him gladly. Now stick that in your memory bank as we move forward with his warning. His warning against pride in our living and in our giving. First of all, as we look, he said in verse 38, and he said unto them in his doctrine, by the way, you say, oh, I don't believe in all that doctrine. God's word does. For he tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration 
of God, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Theonoustos, God breathed it, and it is profitable, it is profitable for reproof, rebuke, for doctrine. Listen, God's word is full of doctrine. The doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of the church, these are the things that we must study and adhere to because God's word says so. And so he taught them his doctrine. In one place it says to follow the apostles' doctrine. You know what the apostles' doctrine was? This, Jesus, following who Jesus is and what he said. And so he said unto them in his doctrine, beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace. They love for people to say, hey, hey, it's him. It's him, look. Oh, look, look who they are. Tonight is the absolute worst thing that they show on television of all time. It is break your elbow, pat yourself on the back, Hollywood elitist saying giving awards to movies that all the common people haven't even heard of. And look how important that everyone else ought to understand because we have an award or we walk down and we, we stop. They said now that they need to do something because the red carpet where they walk down and everybody takes their pictures. Oh, and by the way, there'll be a wall to keep the common people out of the red carpet. So that the people on the red carpet can tell everybody outside the wall there shouldn't be a wall. Yeah, mark that down. Because here's the deal. They think they're smarter than everyone else. Their money has bought their importance. That they're more important than it. Listen, they act. They're jesters. They do not understand real life you and I we don't act, we we get up go to work we live our lives we don't wait until our next leading lady in the movie is who our next wife will be we have committed our life to our spouses and to our children and we work and we go to church and we love on kids on Saturday morning and we teach them on Wednesday nights and and, and we do the things that is real life they don't have any idea what they're talking about. That's right. It is the most prideful, arrogant, self-centered thing to all get together and give each other awards, pat each other on the back and say, we're the greatest. We're the best. My friends, our measurement is not whether we get a Golden Globe, an Emmy, or an Oscar, but that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's where it's about. Because you see, the common people heard him gladly. Pride is literally a failure in character causing bad attitudes resulting in condemnation. You ought to write that down somewhere in the front leaves of your Bible. Pride, pride is a failure in character causing bad attitudes resulting in condemnation. You say, well, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to what? Them that are in Christ. But look what he says in 2nd or 1st Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. And let me say, by the way, he's speaking to me. And he's speaking to the church and how we are to ordain 
uh, bishops or elders or leadership, pastors in the church. He said, don't lay your hands on a beginner or a new convert, a novice, someone who doesn't grasp the word of God and eats of the meat of truth. He said, because if you do, they will be lifted up with pride, lit, not a novice, less being lifted up with pride, he falls into the what? Condemnation of the devil. Lifted up with pride, he falls into the condemnation of the devil. It does not mean that he is separated, if he's a believer, from the love of God, but that the flesh will rage in his, his weakness of mind and not understanding. He's not prepared for the harder things just yet. And pride, look what I have done. Look who I've become. And you and I all right now can think of people, whatever it may be in their life, they got too much money too fast. They got too much power too young. They got popularity before they can handle it. Many are not even with us. Think of it. The ones that we think back over history, people who are my age or a little older, we, we think of people like James Dean, Marilyn Monroe. We don't even understand. She didn't even reach her late 20s because she couldn't handle it. And they write songs about all. They write songs about James Dean. They write songs about Marilyn Monroe. What about a left-handed guitar player that at one time was in the Airborne Rangers of the United States Army? A guy by the name of Jimi Hendrix, who at a very early age became so famous because he was so talented. He couldn't handle it. He was, he was a very, uh, 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 he was very introverted in his life. He couldn't, he didn't like the crowds, he didn't, but he loved to perform, he loved to play. But there was a song wrote about him later in life about a bottle of whiskey and sleeping tablets by his head that he never woke up and that he was a shooting star that was there for just a second and gone. Over and over and over we've seen people in our lives who are shooting stars that burn very bright for just a moment, but in pride, that condemnation brought them down. I want you to look with me in chapter 12, verse 38. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware. Anytime Jesus says beware, we better pay attention. Y'all with me? I mean, beware. There's a reason they put caution tape up there's a reason they put out road signs that says beware bridge out oh that's probably just there to get me to slow down and go a different way and so you blaze on through and off the edge are we not living our life the same way god's word warns us our brothers and sisters warn us our parents warn us and yet we go headlong into destruction how many times did a donkey try to save Balaam? And all he could think of was this crazy donkey. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And in the end, he finally, when he ran him into the, uh, the hedge the last time and said, crush his leg, he got up and began to beat the donkey, cuss the donkey, and the donkey says, what did I do to you? 
I've been trying to save your life. Can you not see that angel? Are you so blinded by your desire and pride to go do something God told you not to do? You can't see death and destruction staring you in the eye. The donkey named Grace saved Balaam's life from certain annihilation. What donkey in your life is named Grace? What is it that you see as silly or useless that is trying to deliver you from the pride that will tear you down? First of all, we see the warning against pride in our living here in this verse. In 38, he said, beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, love salutation in the marketplace, and the chief seats, oh, they want to have the best seats in the house, and the most important VIP upper rooms at the feast. They devour widows' houses, and for a pretense, for a for a show they put on, they make long prayers. These shall receive the greater damnation. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, The wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. He will not seek after God. God is not at all in his thoughts. You see, our problem is love for self over love for the Savior. Here's something I've learned after 35 some odd years of ministry and over 25 years as a senior pastor. People are going to do what they want to do. You can make every excuse. You can come to me like I'm some kind of priest that can give you absolution. I can't. I can't forgive you. I can't help you. I can pray with you, but I can't pray for you. Does that make sense? I want you to understand something. I have to deal with the same devil, the same demons. But what I've understood, we can make every excuse why we're not serving, why we're not giving, why we're not praying, why we're not attending, why, why, why. But the truth is, when it all boils down to it, it's love for self over love for the Savior. When you love Jesus... Where God guides, he provides. And you, and it may just be baby steps, but God will lead you in the paths of righteousness for whose name's sake? His name's sake. Your name means nothing except that he knows it. It doesn't matter who else knows it as long as he knows it. Love for self over love for the Savior. He, I mean, the psalmist understood it. The sad thing is, this psalm may have been written as a warning before he actually fell in this same condemnation. The wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Our, 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 our drive, I'm, I'm too much of a man to go to that altar. People may think something about me. You know what? So be it if they do, but I've never seen it. In all the years of ministry, I've never had somebody come to the back and say, you know, I saw so-and-so go to the altar. I bet they're living in sin. <laughs> Not once have I, but I know everybody in this room. Sometime along the way, Satan's told you that. He's told you that when you needed to come to an altar as a show of faith that, God, you mean business. You know what pride will do for you? 
loving self over love for the Savior, it will cause you to harden your heart and keep chasing a dream of destroying your enemies in yourself that will lead you into the belly of the Red Sea and it'll all come crashing down. That's what happened to Pharaoh, am I right? Pride and love for yourself will lay your head in the lap of Delilah. That's what pride will do for you. It'll cause you to do and go and, and exist in things God does not mean for you to be within a thousand miles of. Because he called you out to be a separate people. Love for self over love for the Savior. What about love for self rather than serving? Well, preacher, I really want to do this, but we had this, we had that, and we had this other. It says that they, for a pretense, make long prayers. They devour widows' houses. They, they go out in long clothing and love being seen in the marketplaces in thy big seats. Listen, love for self rather than serve. They don't care about any other person. These Pharisees could care less. Who else is it? I love it this morning. I had somebody come up and say, we need to do this every week. I said, I agree. Every, every week, just fellowship, shake hands, love on each other. Wednesday night crowd. We love that extra five or ten minutes after we're supposed to start prayer meeting, don't we? But I never get in a rush. I'll finally, after a little while, I say, y'all ready? I don't say, let's start. I just say, y'all ready? When they're ready, they're ready. But we just talk, we catch up, we fellowship, we, we work together, we love on each other. We hadn't seen each other all, all week. And these are our brothers and sisters that's praying for us, lifting us up. And so it's a way of serving by just going and saying, hey, how's your week? How you feeling? What's going on? How's your dad? How's your kids doing? Hey, did y'all win the game? Hey, that's all right. Man, we're just glad. Hey, how, how'd your trip go? What's going on in your life? How's, how's your work? Love for self rather than serving. There was 500 some odd people who said a couple weeks ago, myself will be put down. I will serve. I will serve. But I want to ask you something. Isn't everyone special to God? Everyone's special to God. That means not just people with special needs. That means the wealthy are special to God. That means teenagers that don't do the same stuff you did when you were a teenager, they're special to God. That means vacation Bible school. That means 1,100 kids in the school in Solala, Guatemala are special to God. That means the Barrios family that will be leading the Truth Baptist Church is special to God. And that area that they're reaching is special to God. Y'all with me? Yes. Pastors are special to God. Yes. Ministers of the gospel. Sweet widow women are precious to God. Widowers are precious to God. Four-year-olds are precious to God. All are precious in his sight. Don't we sing that song? You know, maybe we ought to sing some of those kids' songs to remind us that our pride has gotten in the way. When you're too proud to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, you're too proud. When you're too proud to sing the B-I-B-L-E, you're too proud. 
We must get back to the basics of understanding. Love the Lord and his service rather than loving self. He said in verse 3 of Psalm 10, For the wicked boast of his heart's desire and bless the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. What does all that even mean, preacher? The wicked will boast of his heart. Hey, look what I'm doing. Man, this summer we're going to stay gone. We're going to do all these. We're going to go on these big trips. And I'm going to tell you, social media is a great tool. We're using it for the Lord by going live and, and having it logged on where people can watch all over. They're sick. They're in other places. They can watch. College students can get on and watch this stuff. It's great. But I'm going to tell you another pro problem with it is we can get on there and say, look what I've done. Look who my kids are. How great are we? Got quiet right there. Boast of his heart's desire. Hey, look what I'm going to buy. While our neighbor's hunger. Look at how much I'm going to spend. We say, oh, preacher, I'll tell you now, $1,700, $1,800 for Mr. I just don't know if I am. But we'll spend $8,000 to go to the beach and stay in a condo. Don't act like you ain't. Don't act like you don't. I know I've paid that bill before. Go to Disney World and you can about triple it. It's okay. I love Disney World. I love me some Animal Kingdom. That's my favorite. Magic Kingdom, I can live with, live without. But I love me some Animal Kingdom. I mean, to ride through the wild animal, that's just, because I grew up watching Wild Kingdom. And you know, I love, I love animal. I love that stuff. I love Epcot. I love Mission Space. Best ride they've got. You can disagree with me and be wrong if you want to, but I'm just telling you. It's not wrong to go to Disney. It's not wrong to go to the beach. It's not wrong to go cruise down the Danube River. It's wrong when that surpasses our desire for what God wants in our life. That's when it's wrong. It's not wrong to play ball. It's not wrong to do these things. It's wrong when it becomes God. And becomes more important than all the other things. Church, we must continue that desire of not to shine and realize every day we can shine serving the Lord. Every day. Every day. So when Miss Michelle and others come to you and say, Bible school is June 9th through the 13th, then you're not going to say, oh, let me, let me, uh. you're going to say, okay, sign me up. Because you love serving rather than self. And I'm going to tell you something. After a while, self-service just rots you out in the core. There's no joy anymore. There's joy in serving. Some of the greatest tiring joy in the world is Thursday night when you get home from Bible school. You have run nonstop. Sunday morning, Sunday school, worship, went back early, make sure everything's ready, and then we got up, we did all the motions, and we did all that kind of stuff. Allie always makes me tired because she always got it. She hammers, I mean, she has got the motions. And she's up there, and she's just bouncing around me and Miss Michelle, we're like, but we get through it, and we're back, we work, we do all this stuff, we rush home, we drive home from Statesburg, come in from Savannah, from wherever we're at, we're trying to get... Food, we're trying to get our kids ready. We rush off and we're like, 
By Tuesday or thir- Wednesday, we're like, oh, it's Bible school again. But then we see a child profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. We see a kid say, I didn't ever know this. I, I never heard about Jesus loving me. And you go home Thursday night exhausted and fulfilled that you've been right smack dab in the middle of where God wants you. I'll tell you very quickly, Andrew and me, John Guler and a couple of, we sat down right back there Friday night after Night to Shine. They were still getting some things up and the old confetti (laughs) But they were already, ter- I mean, everything was just about cleared out, just about. And we just sat down, and when we did, we said, oh, this was a mistake. Andrew said, this was a mistake. I don't know that I can get back up. I said, I don't know, but I learned these skater board tennis shoes I wore are not for dancing. And my feet, my puppies are screaming. I mean, they sound like they done bathed. Because they, they're right there on it, squalling, but they don't want to move. It was, I mean, it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. John, John needs knee replacement. But he's out there working the whole time. Didn't even get to come in and see what most of us saw. But he was serving out there. A lot of our security team, they're working out there. They didn't get to see all the glamour part of it. But you know what? They cared and they served. That's putting self behind others. Look, loving... We love being seen over help for the suffering. He said in verse 2, The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. I think of one man who hung on his own gallows. Boy, he was going to do it, wasn't he? Haman. He he done built big, high hangman's noose. So that Mordecai would swing. But who swung on the gallows? He did. Make no mistake about it. The devices of the devil that we concoct, the devil don't like you. And the devil loves nothing more than to entice you into thinking he's going to do something for you because of your sin and maybe mistreatment of others, but then he will turn it right back and destroy you. And you'll say, well, why? Why? I was trying to do it. Listen, Satan don't care about you. Love being seen over help for the suffering. Here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 8, 14. 8, 13, rather. Proverbs 8, 13. Well, this is good. Now, listen. He says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth, those things do I hate. I want to tell you something. The fear of the Lord beats pride every time. When we get, and I'm not talking about cowardice fear. I'm talking about reverential fear. When we fall at his feet saying, God, I am not worthy, but I know my Redeemer lives. The fear of the Lord beats pride every time. 
It beats evil. It beats arrogancy. It beats all the things of the world. You want to defeat abortion? You want to defeat the lying, backstabbing politics that creeps in? You want to defeat sexual abuse in the church and other places? Then we need to get on our face before God and fear Him again. We're not afraid of God. We don't think God could destroy us at any moment. We think the world's just going to keep going the way it's going. Warning against pride. Pride, listen to me, pride is thinking you're smarter than you are. Y'all with me? Write this down if you want. Pride is thinking you're smarter than you are because you're not. And I've met some really smart people in my life. Y'all ever heard of Norman Geisler? Norman Geisler is an apologist. Norman Geisler has been a leading theologian uh, in, in our lifetime. He's still alive today. I sat down and had lunch with Norman Geisler one day. He was teaching my doctoral intensive on Christian ethics. He was blowing our minds. And we went and had lunch with him. He said, let me tell y'all, he was a very soft-spoken Brilliant individual, but humble. He said, I, I want to explain something. Now, I'm in, in my late 30s, and uh, he called us all preacher boys. I'm like, I'm 38, 39 years old, 40 years old. He's going to call me a preacher boy? He said, I want to I explain something to you. I grew up in the Detroit, Michigan area. And I grew up in a home that did not know Christ. Did not honor Christ, did not go to church, did not really care about each other to the point that I would just kind of go to school, but they didn't care what kind of grades I made, and so I didn't make any, literally. He said, at the age of eight, uh, 17, I was illiterate. I could not read on a third grade level. He said, and the local, there was a church not far out of town that would send a bus by every week. They would come, and they would visit, and they'd pick us kids up. And I'd get on it because I knew, now listen to me, youth and children's worker, I knew they'd feed me something. And it was probably going to be better than what I got at home. So I went. And I went, 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 and they'd tell me I needed Jesus, and I'd say, yeah, you got another taco. Got another hot dog? How about a piece of pizza? I'll take a cold sandwich. He said 399 times. He said, how could he know? I'm just saying, I'm telling you what he told me. 399 times they came and picked him up and brought him back, and he was as lost when he got home as when he left. But thank God for their faithfulness and their continuance and their servant spirit. 400th time they picked him up. And on that trip, when he got to church, the Holy Spirit quickened God's word in his life. 399 times that seed had been planted and watered. On the 400th time, he called out to God in repentance, and the Lord saved him. He said, and now I'm at the, I think he said, age of 70, maybe it was 77. He's still alive, so he's in his late 80s. 
He said, I've written 77 books. I'm on a seven-week sabbatical, and I'm writing seven books now. His magnum opus is his systematic theology of all the doctrines in the Bible. I've got it in my office. I have his apologetics Bible. It's not his own Bible. It's the Bible and then notes from great people, great theologians, and many other works that he has worked with Frank Turek and other apologists throughout the time. If you've ever heard Ravi Zacharias, he was Norman Geisler's prodigy. But here's the point. He wasn't as smart as he thought he was. And even in all that he's done, he said, but I've yet to scratch the surface. I'm thinking, if he's not scratched the surface, what am I doing? Stop thinking you're smarter than you are. Believing you're more important than you are. Can I tell you something? And I, I, I don't want to break I don't want to break your heart or burst your bubble, but I want you to understand something. You take anybody in this room, God can rip them out, and they be gone tomorrow. And you know what's going to happen next Sunday? We're going to have church. You know what? Your work will keep on. They won't close the schools because you're not there anymore. Listen, they won't close the hospitals because you're not working there anymore. They'll keep having hospitals and schools and churches because none of us are bigger than the whole. We're not more important than we really think we are. Trusting you're more successful. Hey, I've made it. That's what the rich fool, what God called a fool said, right? God called him a fool. He said, look what I've done. I've made it. I finally made it. Oh, I, I don't want to be rich. I just want to be comfortable. He said, I'm comfortable. And God says, not for long. Imagining you are in control of your future. I planned it out. I've got it figured out, man. I've, I've done all the steps. I'm going to do this by this age and this by this. And he said, thou fool, tonight. Your soul shall be required of thee. You have no earthly idea what tomorrow brings. He said, boast not for it. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And isn't it funny, Jesus said that on the tail end of saying, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. That's what pride is. Pride is imagining. You know, we've all laid there. We've been astronauts, and we've been pilots, and we've been most important. We've been presidents, and we've been rich businessmen, and, and, and world-famous actresses, and we've been all this. And then we wake up, and we realize Mama's calling breakfast that we've got to go to third grade. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's all right to imagine in a godly sense. You know, kind of like that old song, how beautiful heaven must be. Imagining who you are in control of your future is pride. But then I want you to notice something with me. The warning against pride, not just in our living and how we We've got to stop loving ourselves more than our Savior and serving Him and suffering and the people who are suffering. 
but the warning against pride in our giving. It's God's word. Hear what he said. In verse 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury. Imagine it. You know, my daddy always got on to me because he couldn't stand it. We'd sit at the table and do this. Any of you ever get in trouble for that? Or is my dad the only one that, thank you. And so now I just kind of do it just to get a rise out of him, you know, for a little bit. Lean back. I can imagine Jesus is just kind of lean back. He's watching them come and go. It's just something about, you know, you can sit down in a chair and take a load off, but you lean back and it's just like you hit another plane, you know? It says right here, Jesus just sat over against the tree. He just leaned back. And he watched. He beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. Amen. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. She was a New Testament widow that Elijah dealt with in the old. She gave her all to the man of God. This widow gave her all. There was a way of offering of blessing or offering for sin and then an offering for mission. It was kind of a a two-fold offering. Maybe that's why she, she couldn't give one. She felt like and not give the other. So she just gave it all. But her heart was solely given to it. And I want you to understand. You say, I don't have what other people have. It's okay. We're not all the same, right? Right? That'd be boring. Can you imagine we all look like Kibo? You know, be rough. Everybody in the world said amen except for your wife, and she said it under her breath. Yeah, I know. She asked it. I'm just, but wouldn't it be boring if we were all, if we all acted exactly the same? We all, now there's a place for unison, and that's in worship. In serving, we come together, but it takes different talents. I mean, how many spiritual gifts? Is there one spiritual gift? Many. It's equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. For some people, giving a thousand dollars is nothing. For others, giving a hundred is like giving it all. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what Jesus is saying? Equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. You can you you may be able to write a a check to the world missions for Guatemala. You can't go for whatever reason. You can't go, but you want to help. You may be able to write a check for $50. 
That's all you can. I mean, that's little, that's sacrificial. You're tithing already, and you give above, and that's a big amount. You say, oh, that's not. It, for some people, it is. Someone on a fixed income, that's big. But I'm going to tell you, if you can write a $5,000 check and it's a drop in the bucket, that $50 is worth more than that $5,000 and God will make it go further. But I'm not going to get mad if Joellen tells me tomorrow that somebody put a $5,000 check in the World Missions Fund. <laughs> That's between you and God. But I will tell you and encourage you to give to the right check, Eastside Baptist Church World Missions because right now, we, we may have 20 to 24 going, people who are interested, people who are wanting to go. We may not be able to pay it all, but like so many in the Old Testament, they said, I'm not going to do it if I don't give something to it. David said, I'm not, I'm not going to do it if I don't give something. Abraham said, no, I'm not going to take that field unless I pay something for it. Buying in, investing in what we believe matters. She believed in the ways of the Lord, and she gave. She gave her tithe. She gave her time. She gave her talents. Are we giving? Listen, you tithe. That's obedience. But are you giving of your time? So many Saturday mornings are coming up and coaching basketball, sharing their faith, giving gospel lessons, praying on Saturdays. They come on Thursdays or Tuesdays. They do things with creating their creativity. They're doing Christ in crafts. They're coming on Wednesday night and working with youth. They're coming on Sunday mornings and teaching children. They're going with young at heart and driving and going to eat supper with them every so often. Listen, give me of our time. And please understand the humility I say this. Your time's not more important than everybody else's. It may be worth more monetarily but it's not worth more period you say i'm just too busy if you're too busy for serving you're too busy for god and something needs to go because i'm going to tell you something he said i'm a jealous god there will be no other gods before me if your children have become your god and you're trying to get them into everything and anything to make them more important and to be more accepted and it's taking you away from serving god be careful Be careful. If your spouse has become, oh, they're my all, they're my all, they're my all, and you're putting your faith in your spouse rather than faith in God, be careful. If you're putting your faith and trust in your pastor or your church over the God of your church, be careful. Give of our tithe, give of our talents, give of our time. And in so doing, we give ourselves, right? What did she get? She gave of herself. Because this was all, she was giving of, uh, uh, in her mind, not that she meditated, but in giving all she had, she knew, hey, I may not eat. She was giving herself. I'm not going to be able to take a tree, that's all I got. And so in doing so, she gave her best. Are you giving your best? People ask me all the time, well, I, I want to tithe, I want to give. Should I give out of the gross or net? You missed the whole point if you've got to even ask that question. How do you want God to bless you, grossly or netly? Do you want him to crack the window or open it and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain? 
Tithing is just what God said do. Sacrificial giving, that's where it's at. We give ourselves, we give our best, but in so doing, are you willing to give your all? To give him your all, to say yes, Lord. Because you can't say no, Lord. Are you willing and able to call him Lord? To say you're the master of my life. You're not just my savior or, or someone that I believe around or believe on and believe in, but I place all my hope, faith, and trust in you for my past, my present, my future, my business, my family, my life, my recreation. I give you my all. Some of you need to bring your businesses and lay it on this altar today. Some of you need to bring your attitudes and your family you bring, bring the very essence of, of how you think in your, in your time away from the body of Christ. You need to bring your sacred cows and lay them on the altar. So that in giving, we give our all. What are the results? Proverbs 11.2 says shame is the result of pride. He said in Proverbs 13.10, contention. And everyone knows Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. You want destruction in your home? You want destruction in your health? You want destruction in your mind and in your being? You want destruction in the church? You want destruction everywhere else? Let pride take a hold. Rest assured, destruction will follow. Or, as the widow woman she found satisfaction, did she not? Her satisfaction was in Christ. She found sanctification by Christ, set apart from the things that the world says is important. We are being set apart as believers day by day. And then gratification that can only be found through Christ. Will it be pride or humility? Will it be the love of the Lord or the love of the world? Will it be self over service? Self over the Savior. It's your choice. Make the right one before the destruction falls as they come to the instruments. And as we stand, listen, you don't need to hear a note or a chord played to know you need to come to this altar today and say, God, Guard my heart. I'm given to pride. We all sometimes are. We like to be told, hey, we're smart, we're good, we're, we're pretty, we're, we're important. We all like to hear that. We like to have our ego stroke. And maybe you say, Lord, guard me from that. Maybe you're saying, I'm okay, I don't need all this. I'm okay. I think God loves me. I, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but do you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that you have repented of those sins and asked him to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If not, you need to come do business with God today. As they play, come.